Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Memorial Day weekend. It's uh, good to be together here worshiping God and um, just focusing our thoughts on uh, what's important this morning. Let's just, uh, let's just open with prayer. Lord, i um, so grateful that you've brought us here. We're so grateful that your scripture is real. It's from you. It's your word to us. It has depth to it that is so amazing. We can always find something new. We're so thankful that you have brought us uh, into this place to worship, to focus on you. We just give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory this morning. And we pray that as we read your scripture, that our hearts will be open, that our minds will be curious, and that our sense of your speaking to us will be strong. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's uh, open up our Bibles this morning to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to read verses 11 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. If you don't have a Bible, please grab one in the pew in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, just take it, because we want you to have the Word of God. And I hope that uh, you read this. Read this every day, even just a little bit. It will, um, it will change your life to be in the Word of God. These are Paul's words to the Corinthians. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you, Lord, for your precious word. May we dig in and learn and think about how today we might pray for those who are far from you, God. 
and see them, uh, see the fruit of them beginning to come back. Lord, we ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, it is uh, Memorial Day weekend, and it's always a pleasure to um, uh, go to the uh, cemetery in uh, Bemis. For those of you who uh, live here in town, that's a beautiful ceremony. I hope that I get to see uh, some of you there tomorrow. Uh, for those who live in other communities, that's great. I, I encourage you to go out and honor those who have uh, given their lives. It's also a good day uh, to relax and just um, uh, kick back and um, take the to-do list and set it aside. Amen? That's a, that's, that's, you're allowed. I want you to know that's a very godly thing to do. To take one day and just say, today's the day I don't have to do anything on my to-do list. That's a, good, that's a good thing to do. That's what God did, on the, modeled for us on the seventh day of creation. It reminds us that we are not valuable because of what we produce. That is a huge, huge message that comes to us constantly in our culture. You're valuable because of what you do. Not true. You're valuable because of who you are. You are a child of God. We sang about that. I am who you say I am. That's powerful. We are uh, able to push back a little bit by that, on that by simply relaxing and having a nice day and not feeling guilty about it. And some people started a little early last night, like at 1.45 in the morning when they were blasting their radio on their boat that I could hear very clearly through my open window. And I thought, will I ever get any sleep the night before I need to preach? Preach. But I celebrate their early celebration. <laughs> May they never do it again. <clears throat> so we're, uh, we're, we're continuing our series uh, on prayer. Um, a prayer called Mountain Movers. It's based on that um, passage from uh, Matthew 17 where Jesus says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed... You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You know, we've, been, we've just been saying that over and over again. We've been talking about different ways that, that uh, we can pray uh, for healing or for our families or for our church. And I hope that as you have been experimenting with that and uh, doing that more and more, that you have been beginning to see uh, answers to prayer. And I hope that whenever you get an answer to prayer, you'll go out there on the prayer mountain and write a little, one of those black post-its and say, this is it. I'm, God is answering prayer. That, that will serve to encourage the rest of us as we see those prayers answered. It is um, challenging to think, will God really move mountains for us? Jesus said, that nothing will be impossible. Well, our focus today is praying for people who are far from God. And I just want to point out that in reality, no one is ever really far from God. You remember those words from Psalm 139 probably. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Friends, people are never far from God. 
but we wander away sometimes. And when we do, he follows closely behind. So that the moment that we come to ourselves and realize, oh wait, this life without God is crazy, and we turn around, he's right there. There's no scraping and clawing and crawling our way back to where we were long ago. There's only God immediately reaching out and grasping us and saying, I've been here all the time, even though you felt far away from me. But in a sense, people are far from God. We use that phrase when they don't welcome him into their lives. And praying about this can feel like a huge mountain because we're not just asking God to act on behalf of these folks to sort of woo them back to him, but we're also praying that their hearts will be softened and will recognize how God is reaching out to them. Think of all the folks you know. Think of all the folks that you work with, that you have uh, parties with or connection with socially. Think of all your neighbors. Think of your family members. Think of you, the people you go to school with. So many people that we know who are far from God. God's right there with them, but they're pushing back for some reason. God will not push himself on us. He won't force us to love him. And he won't even overwhelm us with his presence so that we will be forced to love him. He won't appear suddenly in front of us, great and mighty and awesome, such that our only possible response would be to fall on our faces and worship him. He doesn't do that because he wants us to genuinely love him. He wants us to be able to make a choice. And so he keeps himself a little bit hidden. Just a little bit hidden. He's close by and he reveals himself in glimpses that we catch of his goodness and his grace and his action. He influences us, but only in a way that we can begin to see when we have faith. I uh, recently saw the, the play uh, The Horse and His Boy uh, based on uh, C.S. Lewis's book, uh, The Horse and His Boy. And, and in it, we were reminded that uh, Aslan, the, the, the lion, who is the Christ figure, follows the main characters throughout their whole journey, sometimes protecting them, sometimes scaring them with his lion roars, urging them onward when they would have given up on their own always looking out for their best interest and always hidden. Always hidden until he reveals himself at the very end. Friends, God will not overwhelm us and force us to love him. When we pray for those whom we love who are far from God, we, we shouldn't pray that he will force them to love him we have the opportunity to pray that they will open their eyes, that they will begin to notice who God is. They will sense the clues that are there. They will see the blessings. They will begin to hope against hope 
that it might actually be true, and they will begin to suspect that there is something more going on than what they recognized before. That's a powerful way to pray. Well, all this got me thinking, why are people far from God? And I thought, you know, there's, there's myriads of reasons. But here's some of the basics. Some folks don't have any knowledge of who God is. No one has told them who God is. No one has told them how God has demonstrated that he's on our side. And in verse 18 here that we read, it says, God reconciled himself to us through Christ. You know what reconciled means, probably? It means being right together, being, being coming together, being uh, connected and right and whole. There not being any uh, issues or problems. There not being anything wrong in our relationship. Everything being right and whole. Is, is that your relationship with God? You know, if you have asked for forgiveness and asked that the blood of Jesus Christ cover you, that is your relationship with God. That's powerful. And he desires that everybody would be reconciled to him through Christ. Verse 19 says, God is not counting people's sins against them. He's reconciling the world to himself through Christ. Some folks don't know that. They don't know who he is and they don't know what he's doing. Jeffrey Thomas says the staggering message of the New Testament is that reconciliation is the work of God, not us. Here he is, the offended, the injured party, the one who's been sinned against, and yet he sets up the whole machinery of reconciliation to bring us into right relationship with him. We know that there are people out there who have genuinely never even heard Jesus' name or of his love, or perhaps everything they've ever heard about Jesus has been skewed or twisted in some way. But I want to suggest that we have folks right around us here who really don't know much more about Jesus Christ than his name is a swear word, a way of cursing their situation. We have people around us, and I want to say especially children and young people, who have never heard that God is real and that he became a human to help save us from the guilt of our sins, that he loves us and he died for us and he wants us to be free. And so I just, I just want you to think in your mind, who are the children and the youth around your neighborhood who need to hear that good news and maybe need to hear it from you? And would you be willing to pray for them because I think God is bringing people to your mind right now. Would you pray for them daily? That God would set up a divine appointment for you to talk to them? That you could invite them to vacation Bible school this summer or to Sunday school or to youth group or something like that? Or, or maybe even more powerful, that you could share that Jesus is the one who has set you free.
and given you a purpose for life. And he is the one who will always love them, no matter how well they do in school, or no matter however others might treat them. Why are people far from God? Some people don't have any experience of him. They might know something about him, but they don't have any experience. No one has ever demonstrated self-sacrificial love and grace to them in the name of Jesus Christ. No one has ever witnessed to them that God is real and active in their lives. No one has reached out to them to help meet their needs, to comfort them, to befriend them, to serve them and not demand any payment for it, to welcome them, to care for them, to say no matter who you are at all, you are loved and welcomed by God, period. There are no exceptions. And these folks might have heard things, but they haven't experienced it yet. No one has looked them in the eye and said, I am a changed person because of the love of God which has been poured into my life, and you can have that too. Do you want it? Have you ever said anything like that to someone? I hope if you haven't that you will because it's scary, but it's awesome. It is powerful. Sometimes they're like, no, and you walk away. But there are moments when people are ready and they open up and you will see them come to life because God enters their lives. Friends, we have folks around us that no one has offered to help them pray to God for forgiveness for their sins and a new life. Verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old person is gone. The new person is here. I'm always uh, thrilled to uh, Brother Larry when you tell us a story about how somebody has given their lives to Christ, found new freedom. That's a powerful, beautiful thing. I hope that we have the chance to hear stories like that again and again and again. Friends, there are folks out there who no one has laid hands on them and prayed that, that, that God would bless them and, and help them with their particular circumstance and that the Holy Spirit would come into them. You know, as Christians, we can do this. And that is the way we can pray for them. We can pray with hands on them, offering Christ to them. And so I ask you, who are some of the folks around you who might know some information about God, but who definitely have not experienced his love? And what would happen if we, the people of God, began to focus our simple daily prayers on those folks, saying, God, would you open up an opportunity for me to speak to them this week? Why are people far from God? Well, some people are mad at God. Some people have experienced something very painful, and they blame it on God and walk away. I, I have a relative who lost a baby in a miscarriage. It was so painful. And she was so hurt. And she pushed God away. How could God have let this happen? 
What kind of God is a God who lets innocent babies die? The hard circumstances of life had hurt them. The hard pain of life overwhelms folks like this. They begin to question, is God really good? Is God really trustworthy? I mean, he's not protecting me from pain, so doesn't that mean that he might be bad? They have a view of God that he's in the business of making us happy, that he aims to protect us from hard times, but friends, that's not what God is trying to do. God isn't trying to make us happy. He's trying to make us holy because he knows when we're holy, we'll truly, deeply be happy. It's the only way to live. He doesn't do the sugar daddy in the sky thing. God is like a good coach who makes you run your sprint again and again and again because he wants you to be a better player and he wants the team to be stronger. And he's not afraid to make you work and sweat and toil and even have some tears and some pain because ultimately it will be better. And you know he still loves you. In their pain, these folks block God out. Can you think of someone like that in your life? And would you be willing to pray for them specifically? That their hearts would be softened. That they would beginning, begin to, to suspect that they haven't seen the whole story. They would begin to doubt their doubts about God. They would catch a bigger vision of who God is and how he wants to help them. Why are people far from God? Well, some people know the truth, but they just don't want to surrender control of their lives over to God. And you know what? I totally understand this. And I suspect you might as well. This is the greatest temptation we all face. I would like to live my life my own way. I don't want to let God have control over my life because, frankly, I think I know better what will make me happy. Now, very few of us would come right out and say that. But every time we resist what God is calling us to do and who he's calling us to be, and we say, no, I think I want to do it another way, we are literally saying to God, I think I know better how to live my life. Thank you for the advice you're so gracious to have shared that with me, God. But I'm not going to take it because I kind of think I know better. That's what we're saying. And when you put it in those terms, you're like, who are we? Why do we do this? And it's because we're messed up. It's because we're fallen. It's because... Though we are made beautifully in the image of God, we are also fallen with sin. We're broken and we need healing. Sometimes uh, folks who are in this category are running like crazy from God. They're willing to jump over the cliffs of life in a mad scramble to get away from God. Some are stumbling around, lost in the fog of addiction and hopelessness. But I suspect that most are just drifting away. They're not particularly antagonistic towards God. 
They believe in his existence and they're appreciative of his advice, but they just don't want to surrender control and they might give him a little power here or there, but the whole thing seems a bit over the top. They've gotten to a point where they just honestly want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And in a quiet way, not a belligerent way, but a quiet way, they just don't come right out and say no, but they just kind of don't respond to the invitations that are offered. Do you know anyone in this category? What would it be like if we decided to purposefully pray for our friends and neighbors and loved ones who are resisting God, that they would become so sick of trying to run their own lives, that they'd be so disillusioned by life without God, that they'd become so discontent with their own pleasures, that they'd develop a hunger, that there simply has to be something more to my life than this rat race. And that the reality of death that we all face will cause them to hunger for some hope that leads beyond that. Would you pray for the people in your life who are struggling with resisting God? Would you pray those prayers for them? Finally, who are people who are far from God? Well, some folks think they are unworthy of God's love and his grace. They're so beaten down that they think they can't be good enough. They think God is truly far away instead of right there with them, willing to reach out and help them at a moment's notice. These folks especially need to hear from verse 18. All of this reconciling work, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. It's God's work, not ours which will save all of us. Verse 21 says, God made him, Jesus, God made him who had no sin to become sin, to be sin, in order that we who were sin and sinful might become the righteousness of God. Did you hear that switch? Jesus who had no sin is made sin so that we who are just full of it are made righteous. See, if you think you're not worthy, you need to hear a good word like that. God makes that switch for us. I wonder if anyone here has been tempted to think, well, I know a lot of people who are far from God and frankly, they're so messed up, they're so resistant I don't really think there's a lot of hope for them. Well, I want you to hear a testimony this morning. I'm going to call my friend Rob Westcott up here. And um, I want you to hear his story. Because I think it might give you some hope. Rob, come on up. There you go. Good morning. Um... I grew up in the church, and uh, the church was my family and my home. After my dad died, we moved to uh, DeWittville, or moved to Mayville, and uh, went to the DeWittville Church. And uh, 
I became alive in the church. I was on the uh, PPR committee, the youth member. Um, I preached a couple of sermons, and uh, I was really into the youth group. Um, I enjoyed this church. My mom went there. A lot of her family went there. And um, I really learned about God. Um, but as I got older and turned 18, I had the calling of the high seas like my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father had. So I joined the Navy. And I, uh, I enjoyed myself. Boot camp was a lot of fun. Um, I was in the, uh, as a religious petty officer because of my religious background. And um, it was a lot of fun. I went to firefighting school in uh, San Francisco. And then I went to my first ship. Older ship, USS Saipan. It was uh, very old and uh, very dangerous. I was a shipboard firefighter. I also did structural damage and flooding. I did chemical, biological, radiological warfare in defense of the ship. And when I first got there, I did not find a church. I hung around with my shipmates. Um, and as we deployed, encountered fires and encountered situations where I did not have a church family to back me up. And I did what my shipmates did. We drank every port. Every time we were in port, we drank. So um, I did a lot of drinking because there was a lot of messed up stuff in my life that uh, I didn't know how to deal with. And as my jobs progressed and the dangers increased, I began, or I went on the at sea fire party, rapid response team, which is basically you go into the fire before all the rest of the crew. Try to knock it down, secure flooding if it is flooding, back out when they're all dressed out in their turnout gear, and then you lead the firefighting group. And so I was kind of searching for something to feel alive, and uh, I found it in these dangerous things. Um, the at sea fire party, rapid response, uh, rescuing assistance for other ships. Um, yeah, I was, I was looking for something. I had forgotten where I had come from. Um, and all through this time, I still got letters from my mom and my grandparents. And when I first joined the Navy, when I first got to my first ship, um, they would all have scriptures in it, and I love you, and hearts, and she would always send toilet paper, which was the best thing in the world. But um, I used to read the scriptures. But then as the years went by, I stopped reading the little scriptures my mom sent and my grandparents sent. Um, these letters were all the time. They followed me from the Persian Gulf War to Bosnia, to the Ukraine. Um, they followed me to Spain, Italy, Greece, Israel. Israel, I've been to Israel like four or five times. But because of where I was, I drank my way through it. I didn't get to go see all the fun stuff. Um, the Black Sea, Red Sea, up into Romania in the uh, Ukraine. I always got those letters from my mom. Um, and then the firefighting wasn't really doing it. So we were, started doing counter drug ops. And 
across the equator, went into South America, did my counter-drug officer, always hitting port, always drinking my pain away. Then I got out of the Navy, but the drinking didn't stop, and I didn't go back to church like I always thought I would. I would. Um, and my mom got cancer. When I moved my mom down from here, Jamestown, down to Florida, because I still lived in Florida, actually I remember a phone call when we were getting, planning on moving. She's like, hey, what church do you go to? And I said, a good church. I was like, mom, it's a great church. And I didn't have a church at the time. So I told my girlfriend at the time, hey, we're, uh, we're going to find a church like right now because mom's coming. So I didn't want them to say, hey, welcome. I wanted to say, hey, Rob, you're, you know, welcome back. So I had got my mom down to Florida with me, and um, the cancer had, had really uh, increased. And uh, she was on morphine and in between, you know, being my mom and someone I didn't recognize anymore, she had disclosed to me that, she had prayed for me every single day that I was in the Navy. Every single day. My grandparents had prayed for me every single day. And suddenly, all these medals that I had received, all these declarations from the, from the Navy and from the military, all these stories I had. I had great stories that would get me free drinks in any VFW. All these stories, when I looked in, and through the, the, the pain of, of, of knowing that someone had prayed for me all that time, those stories weren't my stories anymore. Those were stories of how God went with me in all these places, even though I was not the good Christian boy, even though I was drinking and floating away farther and farther, God was always with me. He always was there. All my stories of almost dying, of almost happened, this happened or that happened, came on a, they looked different because the God of the universe was with me. And um, my mom passed away. But before she passed away, I had gotten into that church in Florida. I was on the... Um, uh, trustee committee, I was on the altar guild, which some churches still have. Um, and when I first arrived, those old choirs, those old uh, uh, songs really touched my heart. So after she passed away, I still had my Christian family with me. So I didn't have to drink, I didn't have to deal with it the way I used to. Um, and I had someone else close to me pass away a couple months later. I said, I'm out. I'm gone. Left Florida, came back home. And that uh, was the best thing for me. Um, because I started not working on being religious, about being in the church. I worked on my relationship with God. Um, and I would not have been there if my mom hadn't continuously petitioned for me. Um, and I used religion to help direct my relationship with God. I went to two different Methodist churches, um, two Pentecostal churches. Um, I helped 
fact, helping a uh, Pentecostal church start a church here in uh, Fluvanna. So I am exactly where I'm supposed to be because of the petitions of my mom and my grandparents. I wish I still had those letters with all that scripture on there at the end. I could read and, and get what they wanted me to, uh, to get during that period of time. I look at my past life as a journey that brings glory to God because I did not do it on my own. Um, and I get closer and closer in my relationship. Even though my mom has passed, it feels like her petitions passed through that and into my eternity. Even though my mom is gone, I'm thankful for her every day because I was saved through that and saved as, as living, not saved as in uh, becoming saved. But uh, it's because of her and my grandparents that uh, I am where I am today. And so, friends, I want to say there's an urgency to this. You heard that Rob said that his eternity has been affected by the prayers of his mom and his grandparents. Verse 11 here says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. It's Legitimate for us to say we fear God because, friends, the reality is God is on our side, but the game we are playing of life is, it has eternal consequences. All of us will be judged. All of us will be judged before the living God. And those who are covered by Jesus' blood, they will be deemed righteous and will get to live eternally with God. And those who have resisted God is polite. He will give them exactly what they have wanted. He will get out of their lives. And they will spend eternity without joy or hope or love. And we desperately don't want anybody to experience that. And so God's challenge to us is verses 19 and 20. He's committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And so one of the primary ways that I want to say that you can pray for people who are far from God is that God will send you to them. Pray that. Pray that. God will give us a heart to pray for them daily, to open up divine opportunities for us to connect with them, and then empower and embolden us to be his ambassadors, his witnesses, that he is real, and that he is good and he is active, alive, and worth following. People far from God coming back to God or coming to know God in the first place. That's a process. You heard that long process that was part of Rob's story. Trust the process. I close with saying that uh, Pete Grieg, who um, uh, was one of the teachers in the um, prayer series we had last year, reminded us that our prayers are like dominoes being set up in a long, long line. They all stand there waiting until finally at one point God answers them and they all knock down in one fell swoop, answering every one of those prayers as a person comes to Christ. 
So I'm going to invite Brandon to come forward and play a little quietly behind us. And as we have been doing all through, we're just going to pray. We're going to pray for those who are far from God. And this will just be a touch. I hope that you do this every day, taking some of the suggestions that I've given this morning. But let's just uh, ask the Lord this morning to draw people to him. Lord Jesus, we want to remember the folks in our lives who have truly never heard of you fully, who don't really know about you, and those folks all across the world who don't know about you. We ask that you would send somebody to bring them good news. And God, we pray for those folks who have heard about you maybe even a thousand times, but who've never experienced you. God, would you send us or someone else to pray for them, to lay hands on them, to offer them the opportunity to start a relationship with you? God, we pray for those who are mad at you. Soften their hearts, Lord. Give them peace and a new sense of trust for you. And those who are resistant, God, help them realize that they are really saying they know better than you and how crazy that is. And Lord, those who think themselves unworthy of your love, remind them that you are the one that says that they're worthy and you are the one that's done the work to reconcile them to you. Oh Lord, all those folks that we know who are far from you, soften their hearts. Draw them to you. Do your side of the equation and we pray that as you nudge them and nurture them, directly or indirectly, through other people or through yourself, that Lord, you will change them that that long line of dominoes of prayers will come crashing through to a wonderful ending. God, help us today to commit, to commit, to begin praying for the people that you have been bringing to our minds all this morning. May we do it, Lord and may their lives be changed. We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, go forth. Don't fail to pray. And see what God will do. Amen.